You know what I really miss living here in South Georgia that I vividly remember from growing up in the Midwest? Fireflies. Growing up in Ohio, I have these vivid memories of those late mid-June into July nights when the sun stays out late, but as soon as it begins dipping, in my neighborhood at least, all the kids would pile out, and there were a lot of us in those days. We'd play games out in the dark and in the woods, but what I remember is when you would first step out of your door into the front yard, there would just be this sea of flickering light. I sort of rediscovered the magic of fireflies this last summer while we were on vacation in upstate South Carolina at a lake, and I I rediscovered the magic by seeing the magic that was in the eyes of my boys as For two boys born in South Georgia, it was really one of the first times that they had encountered fireflies. It wasn't quite like I was used to further north, but they were still there. That fleeting, elusive light. Sam and Jack and the other kids with us, they would go out before bedtime and they'd find a spot. They'd stand still. And they would gently cup their hands. And then they'd peek inside. It seems like such an apt metaphor for a Sunday when the assigned topic is peace. Because peace, whether we're talking about inner peace or family peace or world peace, It often feels so elusive, so fleeting. We all know the feeling. It's saving up for that new toy or finally getting that new promotion that you just were positive would give you that that peace that you have been after. And yet by the time you lay down for bed that first day, you're already bored with it. It's the parents who feel like they finally, finally turned the corner with their teenager until the phone call comes at 2 a.m. It's elusive. It's fleeting. It's the feeling we have when our carefully laid plan falls apart on day one. Or when we pick up the morning paper and there above the fold is the headline of a new peace agreement somewhere in the world and then we turn it over and below the fold is the headline announcing the start of a new war somewhere else. Right? We know the feeling. It's the feeling that that a child has when they, they cup their hands and they peek inside and they realize that they've come up empty. I think that's what the disciples are feeling here at the outset of this passage, this verse really today. I mean, think about everything that has transpired up until this moment. 
There's been the Last Supper, there's been the arrest, there's been the trial, there's been the crucifixion, the funeral, and yes, there's been the resurrection, but by this point, only a handful of people have actually witnessed the risen Christ. It's amazing, I was, I was preparing for this, looking through my HarperCollins study Bible, and just out of curiosity, I sort of flipped back a few pages just to read the section titles of all the sections leading up to this particular section. And the titles all had words like destruction, persecution, plot to kill, dispute, denial, sword, betrayal, arrest, mocking, beating, death, burial, and then this. Peace be with you. Friends, God desires, God desires for us, all of us, you, me, all of us, God desires for us to know and to have peace. Peace is the proclamation at both the beginning and the end of the gospel. Think back to Luke's telling of the Christmas story. There's the brief narrative of Jesus' actual birth. And then the scene almost instantaneously shifts to the fields around Bethlehem. Where those shepherds are going about their business. Until angels suddenly arrive, announcing Jesus' birth to them, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Peace is both the proclamation at the beginning and at the end of the entire gospel story. When our lives, like those shepherds, minding their own business out in the fields, are turned upside down, God's first word to us is peace. When the world around us, those headlines that dominate our news day in and day out, is screaming destruction and death and betrayal and chaos, God is there whispering Peace. In the face of the most awful things we can imagine. In those days when we are locked in our rooms, much like those disciples long ago were locked in their own room of grief and worry and anguish, there is God again. Peace. So why is it so elusive? Why does it always seem to feel like we are outside that realm instead of inside with Jesus? Why is it that every time we search for that light, we feel as if we have come up empty? You know, I think there's a clue. There's a clue that Jesus offers us in our beatitude today. Blessed are the peacemakers. You see, peace is both a gift 
and a calling. We, all of us, we have a role in making peace. Have you ever been in the presence of a true peacemaker? It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing to stand in the presence of someone who refuses to return anger for anger. Who breaks cycles of violence no matter what is done to them by refusing to perpetuate it any further. It's powerful. Now, they're not pushovers. They're simply at peace. They have seen God's light. They have held it in their hands. And they seek to share it. I've stood in the presence of a handful of people who I would consider to be true peacemakers. And it leaves a mark on you. It makes you want to be a peacemaker even though it is hard. I've stood in the presence of people like that. And all I often find myself thinking as I stand there in awe, I find myself thinking to myself, now here, here is a child of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. But it's not always easy. You know, whether your candidate or your candidates or your issue won or lost this past week, there's one, one thing that I think is now unavoidably clear for us as a nation. And that is just how deeply divided we really are. I've spent this whole week wondering to myself, what is our role, not as Americans, but as followers of Jesus Christ? What is our role in times such as these? And I found myself thinking back to a book I finished a few years ago called April 1865 that begins with, with the scene at Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address. It's amazing. This inaugural address was only 703 words long, way shorter than what you're having to put up with here. The scene, though, was one that was incredibly Continuous. Throughout the address, Lincoln outlines the heartache and the violence and the loss that both North and South had experienced in the years leading up to that moment as part of the American Civil War. But what's interesting is he does not assign blame in his address. Nor does he spend any time at all laying out a, a careful plan, his three-point plan for rebuilding the United States 
of America. Instead, all 703 words are focused on national healing. And the thing I find most powerful, if you go back and read it, go back and read it today, is that the bookends to this address, and in many ways the bookends to Lincoln's own life, which would end just a few weeks later, the bookends to this address, the beginning and the end, is peace. He concludes saying, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work that we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which we may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves, and with all nations. Friends, what what is our role in these times? It is to be peacemakers. Our role is to be the ones who listen and follow that call to go out into the field to go out into those front yards, those mid-June, late-July front yards of our lives and to wait patiently in the dark. And it can feel so dark. Our role is to wait patiently in the dark, to cup our hands, to hold our breath, and to peek inside. Friends, may we be the light that we find inside. May we see the light that rests even now in our grasp. And may we share it with others. for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the world. May it be so. Amen.